the finance ministry is currently exploring the prospect of enabling financial institutions to raise capital through blended finance instruments blended finance involves the strategic development of public capital sources to incentivize and attract private investments in developing nations one specific purpose of blended finance is to accelerate sustainable development hi and welcome to the bl podcast this is nabodita ganguly i'm joined by rohit arora ceo and founder of biz2 credit and biz2x we talk in this podcast about the significance of blended finance what it means for india and the challenges in evaluating blended finance listen in Hi Rohit thank you so much for joining us Yeah thank you Rohit there has been lots of talks about blended financing but before going any further i would like to understand in totally layman's term what exactly is blended financing So blended financing is has been there for a long time you know in the past we have called it sometime public private partnership you know it it really started after second world war with bretton woods system coming in where world bank and the imf was set up so blended financing is nothing but a strategic you know use of development finance uh, to actually generate more private sector money so traditionally what had happened in the past was that if you see you know after 1945 when brenton woods uh, framework was set up in washington dc uh, you know so the whole concept was that you know emerging markets and there was no term as emerging markets at that point of time there were like underdeveloped countries including india and everything you know it was like how do you give them um, access to credit to go and do more development then sometime in 1970s international finance corporation which is a subsidiary of world bank came with a term of emerging markets which was i would say a better way to describe these markets than underdeveloped markets and the whole idea was that you know not only you cannot sustain these economies just by giving them grants doles or some money coming through government agencies from the developed world but you actually create a framework where you know uh, this development finance actually creates a leverage to uh, get uh, you know a more private sector money to these markets and these could come as you know loans equity investments as well as the credit guarantee schemes uh because us really started the whole credit guarantee programs sometime in nine, early 1950s and they have been very successful and the idea was that you know how do you take into into some of the emerging markets and frontier markets with the ability that not only it helps them to develop but it also creates incentives for the private sector globally to come and invest and also create more deeper local capital markets because that's the other important piece is that you cannot just sustain uh this kind of development just uh, you know through uh money coming in from uh developed markets into emerging markets but the local capital markets also need to get smarter better local saving rates have to go up local insurance markets have to get deep and so that you know a lot of this development work can just happen from the local markets also okay so basically it's a way to accelerate capital for the developing economies Yeah so this is a way to uh, provide more capital at a lower cost with different you know structures for the emerging markets and the developing uh, you know world 
and mm. without having the onerous you know norms like uh, you know you know typically when uh, countries are going to imf to get money then you know there's a lot of the onerous demands for uh, you know multiple uh, spending cuts and everything which are not very popular in these countries and by involving you know um, uh, private sector money and also by creating credit guarantee programs you know uh, you cre- create a more of a sustainable model mm. Mm. so when we talk about blended financing the conversation around it also revolves around sustainable development green energy yes. transition so how can it actually help achieve sustainable development goals how are they related so see uh, at the end of the day yeah you know blended finance was obviously started to you know give this whole you know uh, i would say push towards more of uh, you know financing for even development projects infrastructure projects which traditionally you know developing countries and emerging markets didn't have the local you know capital to really sustain it their currencies also have seen a lot of you know fluctuation over the years and dollar being the reserve currency in the world you know it's a lot easier to fund projects get you know people to pay in that currency and also the ability to you know get better deals out there so obviously in this case you know what we are now seeing is that there has been a movement towards you know uh, within the blended finance you know towards creating even local pools of money which wasn't there earlier so even like india has created a nif which is a was the sovereign fund where the government of india owns 49% and then the rest is has come money has come from various pension funds uh infrastructure companies in the world and part of it is to actually promote green energy uh climate change you know financing again that's capital intensive the the break even periods are much longer than normal uh you know it will take time for the overall ecosystem to develop like we are seeing in now in the ev space we are seeing it in the solar panel manufacturing space so that's very important and the whole world is moving in that you know direction even a country like us which is has the most developed markets in the world the capital markets as well as overall consumer markets you know even in a country like us you know the government recently came out with an in- inflation reduction act you know bill which actually provides almost half a trillion dollar of subsidies for companies who are going to do manufacturing of clean energy green energy you know stuff like solar panels ev batteries anything which is related to that in the country in the us or in the free trade zones which are approved by us and they can get uh, you know close to half a trillion dollar in in tax credits and that as like money coming into into the pocket of these businesses in case they are able to implement you know the the right manufacturing strategies so e- even if the us market is doing it then it becomes even more imperative for the emerging markets and the developing worlds to do it um, and the example nif i gave and then you know the uh, the public private partnership you know that lot of uh, indian companies are looking to do in green energy right now and they need more long term capital they need cheap capital they need capital where you know uh, you know the break even periods are going to be longer than normal so the front end payments have to be lower uh, than the back end payments uh, so based on all that you know it becomes very very important that you know uh, 
for the emerging markets to have access to these kind of financing structures because mm. they can afford to build, bring in a law like uh, the Inflation Reduction Act and just give you know massive amount of subsidies to their businesses uh, to go and become green energy and clean energy businesses. Okay, okay. So the Niti Aayog recently proposed that the government go for blended financing. How will that yeah. help decarbonize the country's energy sector? See, Niti Aayog's proposal around blended financing, again, has that same, you know, uh, mm -hmm. idea in the mind that, you know, without a blended financing piece, you know, uh, you cannot uh, uh, kickstart uh, the clean energy you know sector in the country uh, because it's going to take a lot of time uh, you know it requires a massive amount of hundreds of billions of dollars of upfront investment in the infrastructure like let's say ev is a great example so you don't even like it's not just producing ev vehicles and then subsidizing them because they are more expensive right now compared to traditional vehicles but also you know setting up charging stations setting up the whole infrastructure then the ev batteries you know uh, you know, how do you recycle them because you cannot just, you know, throw them in a land waste because they have lithium and other, mm. you know, dangerous, you know, heavy metals. Uh, so obviously you will have to set up a full infrastructure play, whether it's in case of EV, it's in case of solar, it's in case of, you know, uh, non, uh, you know, or, or the renewable energy sources and also create the infrastructure at the consumer level. You know, that how do they take advantage of that. So, so one example is the Indian government has been giving subsidies to the EV two-wheeler manufacturers in the country to popularize more EV two-wheelers. Mm. But again, the problem there has been that, you know, because of lack of framework and, and all these manufacturers were really dependent on the government's subsidies to run their business. You know, there have been a lot of disputes, a lot of challenges. You know, quite a few of these EV players are not getting their subsidies and time so so this has led to a situation where some of them have slowed down the production you know they don't they don't have money to invest in r d today they don't have money to you know uh, come with better you know vehicles so they are mostly nothing but say assembly shops right now mm. you know where they get uh, most of the components from china and other places and then they just assemble it here sell it and get the government subsidy and now they're trying to localize it that's what the government is very much aware about it but having said that i think blended finance again is extremely important for us to as a country to you know invest in basic r d to invest in you know creating better batteries better infrastructure you know uh, vehicles with longer mileage you know less charging times and also looking at beyond ev like green hydrogen you know so while green hydrogen is a lot of interest in India, a lot of people are talking about it, you know, creating, again, the whole infrastructure play requires uh, blended financing, because you cannot do it with normal commercial loans, because one, they are more expensive, and secondly, they're short term. And uh, the second thing is that the kind of investments that one has to make upfront are, are pretty massive. So the current, you know, the balance sheet of the private sector players who are going to play a role in that, is actually not strong enough to, you know, invest all that money without uh, option of getting blended funds. Hmm. So basically, it will help deliver impactful projects with the help of partnership from both the public and private sector. Yeah, exactly. Public, private, multilateral agencies, I would say, you know, then there's long term 
money which is in insurance company that. okay and how is it with regards to popularity is it getting popular throughout the world are countries accelerating to use it absolutely so i think there's a lot of interest out there among various countries to you know get and you know do more of this blended financing as i gave example of us you know they mm. have been you know like like they have passed this very large subsidy bill european union is looking into it right now because you know they want to you know you know they will have to do something around it so obviously globally there's a huge march you know even in gcc countries which are the biggest oil producing countries you know there's a lot of movement towards you know green energy clean energy stuff coming up so obviously there's a lot of these you know things that are pretty much you know uh, almost the need of the hour right now mm-hmm. and and people are making a lot of efforts around it multiple countries and multiple institutions so and india is now the largest population in the world and and india is the second largest consumer of oil in the world you know largest consumer of coal in the world my take on that is that absolutely you know it's it's very important for india to have a very good you know blended finance mechanism set up to accelerate the change as well as as well as take advantage of this change you know okay so basically india has a long way to go with regards to blended yes finance. yes okay so i'd like to quote an oxfam report now as per yeah. report blending and i quote may give preferential treatment to donors own private sector firms unquote mm. so can you explain this statement and what's the significance of it how can we actually solve this so see what what oxfam's whole i would say uh, the meaning behind the statement is that you know typically what happens is that if there's a donor countries which are normally western countries and they are you know uh, giving money to uh you know emerging markets and developing markets then they normally want a lot of these contracts to go back to the uh, to the companies of their country you know mm-hmm. because obviously that creates more employment for them more revenue and a lot of time we have seen in the past sometime it works but a lot of time it doesn't work also because then you actually are creating a uh, you know wrong incentive for people to you know go in and uh, you know uh, because as an emerging country if i'm taking uh, a uh, some aid from uh, the western countries then i'm also being forced to take their expertise their goods and services which which may not be the best in the world so i think oxfam is saying from that angle that in the past we have seen that with china also when china invests yeah. in these mm-hmm. african countries you know it's like all the contracts obviously go to chinese companies and all that which is so like obviously it can't be 0% but you know because obviously every country has their own agenda big agenda is that if they are going to give some money to another country then they also want you know their businesses and companies to get benefited but at the same point of time i think uh, what what has happened is that when you overdo it then you don't get the right project outcomes and you get a lot of overrun of cost also okay so is it that the gap between developed and developing countries which has been there will stay despite whatever we might try yes it will it will i think developing countries will 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 bear the brunt of climate change lot more than developed world mm-hmm. uh, they have less resources they have bigger populations to take care of 
uh, and they are in the regions of the world like where India is or, or in Southeast Asia, we can already see that if you see cities with the highest temperatures, you know, uh, that is in uh, most of those cities are in South Asia and Southeast Asia already. Unfortunately, the impact on the on the developing world is going to be a lot more than in the developed world. And what are the challenges in evaluating blended finance? I think again, the challenges are, you know, what we have seen o- over the years, what is the mechanism of this funding? Is it just donor or how much of the private sector funds in these, you know, developed markets are ready to invest? What kind of ROI are they getting? Are they getting some subsidies? And I think this time the challenge is going to be even bigger because this time even, you know, the or the developed world itself is trying to transition itself out from fossil fuels to green energy. So they are spending a lot of time, money and effort to even become more competitive and also, you know, just like attract more investments, you know, into their own countries back. Mm. So I think that's an added challenge which wasn't there earlier. So basically, the developed world will prioritize their own projects than those of they will, the developing they will, countries. They will, they will, absolutely. Rohit, lastly, to wrap up this conversation, what are your takes on the future of blended finance? So I think the future is that we have seen the emerging market, the growth of the emerging markets over the last 30 to 40 years. We have seen a lot of capital inflows now into these markets from private sector. Uh, so as an asset class, as the regions, you know, People are very familiar with that. So I feel the the future of blended finance is, is pretty bright. You know, short term, there are a lot of bumps right now with, you know, the whole friction between China and US. But, but I think once it settles down and there is more, I would say, you know, focus on creating uh, or transitioning out from, you know, uh, you know fossil fuel uh, to more clean energy, you know, happens, you know, which will take at least two or three more years, I think we'll see a lot of uh, growth in blended finance for the emerging markets. All right, Roy. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. You. Thanks a lot Thank for you. your time. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you like it, please subscribe and share. Thank you.